The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is presented by GEICO. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fantasy, you're in the What's up and happy Monday to you, Fantasy Focus Football Podcast Field, Matthew and Stefania hanging out with you, not just on the audio version, not just on Twitter, not just on the YouTube channel on ESPN, or ESPN's YouTube channel, not just on the ESPN app, but now, effective, going forward, the ESPN Fantasy page on Facebook. All those people, there's like a gazillion people that use Facebook, right Daniel? Something like that. Yep, I think it's a gazillion and two. Gazillion and two. So right. if you happen to be a Russian bot... We are available for you. <laughs> Wait, is, is Russia mostly? loves fantasy football. You didn't Absolutely. know that? Absolutely. Russia if loves If you would like to football. take a break from all the propaganda you're pushing <laughs> on whatever political side of the political uh, divide you are, um, by all means, come uh, and check us out. Uh, there's got to be some other way that we are streaming. There has to be. There has to be. Like, there's got to be. I'm be sure honest. there's like some pe- There's probably be somebody. When was the last time you were on Facebook? Uh, a couple weeks ago. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, how about you? <laughs> oh, I can't hear Daniel. Nope, you're good. Okay, we can hear him now. <laughs> Anyways, thank you all for joining us. We have a big show today. Obviously, we have double trouble coming up with the Chiefs and the Raiders. We have some week two takeaways. We've got some other major news. So everybody survived the weekend, which is good. Matthew Certainly survived the weekend. We I think know, Matthew, you're back. I mean, yeah. To be clear, right Matthew there. and his not child, because Matthew recently appeared on the very popular and excellent Bill Simmons podcast. BS. Report. I committed. I committed pod adultery. Me and, and it's Bill. always oh, annual tradition. It's very and, funny. Yep. Uh, I think you're you're okay. Bill is always very funny. <laughs> you're okay. Fair. Fair. Right. I let Bill carry the comedy. Right. Uh, yeah. No. So uh, yeah, always a lot of fun to talk to Bill. So uh, check that out when you get a chance. And we mostly discuss fantasy football. But, we also got a chance to talk about some uh, Beverly Hills nine hundred two and zero, which is a passion for both Bill and I. But Bill but, made a great point. Yes. So Matthew always refers back to the S five kids, right? Which is somewhat misleading. Mm-hmm. One of them's twenty one years old. Like Correct. you brought your kid to Vegas. I did. And so again, this is a totally Bill's idea, not my own. But by the it's a way, good point. you have four children. By the way, I no, asked I Beth if kids. she thought that was a good idea. She was concerned. Yeah, of course she was. And was she was yeah, concerned married or no? Well, because listen, think about I'm, it. Because you I'm have Matthew being the chaperone. Yeah, I'm I mean, an idiot. And my twenty one year old right, and my twenty one year old kid is an idiot. And it's he's a, still a, my kid. I know what Bill was saying. Determined endearment of endearment, right? Yes. I mean, obviously, like I love my kids, but my no, he. My 21-year-old, he needs different sort of care and guidance, but he still needs care and guidance, which is, so I still consider him one of my kids as opposed to, I understand what Bill was saying, that I have four kids and an adult. But whatever, it was his, uh, he recently, a couple of weeks ago, he turned 21, and so in exchange for his, um, Surviving so his birthday party, <laughs> well, so is it for his, um, uh, for his birthday party, for his birthday present from me, is I took him to Las Vegas for a weekend. So I did an event this weekend at Caesars Palace. And uh, an amazing event. So many people came out. Tons of fans of the 06010. Great to see everyone. We we did Friday night, and then I did a bunch of drafts. People hosted their drafts at the link, the uh, sports book across from Caesar's Palace on Saturday. And so uh, I was like, you know, I told the the people at Caesar's Palace, like, I'm going to bring my kid, my 21 year old, with him, <laughs> and he's going to bring a couple of buddies. And I have to tell you. The people at Caesar's Palace are so amazing. Caesar's they Palace. hooked him up. <laughs> to be fair, huh? Palace. Caesar's Palace. If you like, <laughs> sure. a little respect. Yeah. Sure, but uh, the entire unbelievable. I mean, like, so they gave him an unbelievably sick suite. Uh, we we went to uh, we went to Omnia. 
I got to give a shout out to uh, Chris Trillo and uh, and Russ Finnezy. Hope Russ, I hope I pronounced your last name right. Um, both fans of the 06010, big fantasy football players. Nice. They took such great Omni was ridiculous, right? Tiesto was there. Yeah, and like, saw listen, you posting Tiesto. T- oh. Tell the truth. You Did Googled you know Tiesto. who Tiesto was? Yes, you were like, before, I, I, before yes. I put this on my Instagram I, page. Even I knew who Tiesto was. Well, anyway, so ask. like, anyway, you know. Uh, so a great take, time in Vegas. An ama- like, they took such great care of us at Omnia. Highly recommended. So um, Matthew's 21. Whole thing. Uh, amazing, amazing weekend. Matthew, his 21-year-old, when he turns 21, gets a free all-expenses-paid trip to Vegas. You know what my dad Correct. gave me when I turned 21? What's that? A pat in the back and a wish good luck. <laughs> I think that's what I got too. I look, I mean, we did talk about the fact that, um, I was talking with my, some of the, some of the guys at Caesars and I just said, we may have ruined Vegas for him because I mean, like the whole thing was first right. class and no, hooked up go, all the way. He'll go on a bachelor party you know, and large. Don't you? I'm not worried about him. I'm not worried about him. I'm just, <laughs> well, I'm just Vegas, glad anyway, you made it through. Vegas, Vegas is great. And I'm just, if you go to Vegas, I cannot recommend the, uh, go find the, Trillo. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. At, uh, at Omnia and, uh, and Caesars Palace. And we spent another day at Dre's. A lot of fun. Like the whole thing was, it's just awesome. It's tough it's to do awesome. Oh, and by the way, see Absinthe. That is a fun show. Rewind. news from the National Football League. This is the Instant Replay. All right, so while Matthew was betting 500 on red, and red 16 specifically, right. the NFL decided on Friday. Did not get arrested, FYI. Okay, glad. Me and none of, my, none of my kids got arrested. Um, yeah, it was, listen, a successful weekend all the way around. It's like, we, it's like the pros do. They put security on you all weekend to make sure that you didn't get into too much trouble. We <laughs> saw, fair. we had major news on Friday yes, in the NFL. And when you root for a team, typically you root for the players on that team. But there seem to be players that endear themselves to a larger, uh, sort of population of football fans. Josh Gordon to me has always qualified that. People seem to want to root for Josh Gordon. He's a guy that has certainly had his, his errors and his misgivings, but he's also shown a lot of, Resiliency through his NFL career and an incredible talent. On Friday, the NFL decided to conditionally reinstate Josh Gordon, who was suspended on December 28th, uh, December of 2018. Excuse me. He's back with the Patriots now. Now, um, conditionally reinstated means that he can play all 16 games if he is healthy and ready to go. Is he on thin ice? Of course. He's been on thin ice for quite some time. But for now, he has the opportunity to play all 16 games. Upon his reinstatement, the Patriots did place Josh Gordon on the non-football injury list, which means that it is an injury or a condition that is tied to something that did not take place on the football field in a formal setting. It could be something as simple as he was playing catch and pulled up lame running a route. It could be something more grave. For Josh Gordon, our understanding as of this time is it's not more serious. But just to explain how the non-football injury list works, that's the nuts and bolts of it. He could be activated at any day. And he could play as soon as week one. As a matter of fact, right now, that is the expectation. This is massive news, Matthew Barry. This is a player who, at his best, has been one of the best receivers in football. He is going to be one of the most fascinating players over the next two and a half weeks before the regular season begins to follow, to project, to draft, to analyze. The Patriots got a major lift here. 100%. So, to give you an idea of how major it was, so I got into Vegas... Friday about noon. Okay. And my event was like at 7.30 Friday night. So me and my son adult. Uh, so your adult. Yeah. Your companion. buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. We all, we went to the Caesars. Drinking we went, buddy, we went to the, honest. we went to the pool at Caesars and just hung out. And so I'm there. I'm like a, you know, I'm a margarita and a half in or something like that. Uh, and all of a sudden the, the Josh Gordon news breaks. 
So I literally had to get out of the pool, sopping wet, and immediately post a video. Which, if you want to see it, you can see on uh, you can see on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at facebook.com slash MatthewBerryTMR. But uh, the fact of the matter is, is that here's what I said. So, before, so go ahead. So just to just just reset and so specific to Josh Gordon, your insight on what this means and how you are approaching drafting him. Right. So okay. So yes. To your point, one of the most fascinating players in the NFL, somebody who has been a fantasy football superstar, uh, but he's also somebody that carries a ton of risk. So think about last year, right? So last year, uh, on uh, in games in which he got at least three targets from Tom Brady, I remember he started a little slow, with, you know, coming in and then obviously towards the end, but in games in which Josh Gordon got at least three targets, which was basically weeks five through 14. Yep. He averaged 13.5 fantasy points per game, would have been wide receiver 28, was wide receiver 28 on a points per game basis. Right. And I think, I think that's about right, Field. Now remember, the Patriots last year, even with Josh Gordon there for the majority of the season, were a run heavy offense. Fifth most, uh, they were the fifth in rush percentage, right? And they don't have, but there are some more targets, obviously, with no Rob Gronkowski coming around. And you think about sort of how the Patriots are, Coming into the season prior to getting Josh Gordon, it was Julian Edelman and a bunch of guys that like, hi, Mr. Brady, it's nice to meet you. Like, right. you know, yeah. people that had just, just shown up. I guess Philip Dorsett's been there for a little bit, but you know, it was a, a bunch of new faces. Uh, and, uh, and I think most people felt like it was the, the weakest receiving core that Brady has had in quite some time. Fair. Uh, or at least most inexperienced. So now you bring in Josh Gordon. And I think, listen, I have him, I ranked him at wide receiver 28, just sort of as I, I went through it. Because I think that's about right. I mean, again, where he was. like, So he is like, and I, I literally said in the video, I said, because uh, you always like to troll me about this, but like all jokes aside, Field Yates, I think he's a wide receiver three with upside, right? Because there, there's risk there, right? So there's obvious risk that comes with Josh Gordon because he is, you know. You go from the, available to completely unavailable in one day. He is on the thinnest of ices, yeah. right? In the NFL. There may not be a player in the NFL that is on thinner ice than Josh Gordon. That's fair. Right? We also don't know what kind of football shape he's in. I mean, he has been out of football. Right for you know, I guess since December of last year, so maybe he's in football shape, maybe he's not. Also, it's a, so it's a run heavy. It's it's a run heavy offense. How how long does he get in sync? It doesn't sound like he's going to play until preseason game four, which if Brady, at all. If at all, and Brady's not going to play in that game. So the yep. first time him and Brady you know catch passes to from each other will be in an NFL game this year. So you don't feel great about starting him in week one until you see him, right? And so, uh, so there's all that risk. On the other hand. It's Josh Gordon getting passes from Tom Brady. So again, I, I do think he, I would not want to go into the season with Josh Gordon as my starting wide receiver, as one of my top two wide receivers, but the upside is, and talent is undeniable. And obviously a second year in the system with the trust of Brady and the fact that there are more targets to go around and not a lot of other guys that Brady has any sort of connection with makes this really interesting. I would just say the, the thing that you referenced about, you don't know how you're going to see him kind of be ramped up in the Patriots offense. If you go back to last year, and granted, he was coming over from Cleveland. He had the hamstring injury there before he ever got to New England, but he had the hamstring injury there after being out of football. And part of what we always talk about is getting acclimated to the sport of football. And the Patriots were very patient last year. If you watched how they brought him into the fold, they were very patient. You guys remember every Sunday we were talking about sort of how much we thought the utilization of Josh Gordon, what it would look like on on a week-to-week basis. And granted, there's no there's no Gronk there this year. So 
there is it's a little bit different in terms of of what the options are. But I still think the Patriots will be patient in how they ramp him up. So a couple of things to note from last year: things can change from one season to the next. But in a you know acquired midseason acquisition for Josh Gordon, he played in eleven games. In those eleven games, he had a seventeen point one target share. However, of the 18 red zone targets during those 11 games, he saw five of them. So he had some big play proficiency, certainly a useful player in the Patriots passing game, and the passing game in general spiked last year. Tom Brady threw for more than 250 yards last season on 12 occasions. On 11 of, the, 11 of those came in the 11 games that Josh Gordon was on the field. Tom Brady averaged 303 passing yards with Josh Gordon in the mix. He averaged 204 passing yards without Josh Gordon on the field. And like that includes a week, you know, normally we can throw away the Patriots week 17 stats because often they've already clinched a seed. They had to play for something in week 17 last right. year. They, I think they drubbed the Jets or somebody. So Josh Gordon was a clear spike to this Patriots offense, which is why I have him as wide receiver 27. And it certainly helps. It doesn't hurt the value of Tom Brady. Yeah. Either. I mean, listen to your, to your point field is that. And we were talking about sort of the fantasy value of Josh Gordon. Yeah. But I think you have to absolutely, and I haven't updated my ranks. I was in Vegas this weekend. That'll be, they'll be updated later today. But Tom Brady, you know, who I had very, very low, you were higher than I, but there's no question this obviously improves the fantasy value of Tom Brady in the games in which Josh Gordon played last year, in which Josh Gordon got at least three targets. Tom Brady was quarterback nine in total points, quarterback 11 over that stretch, again, from weeks five to 14. And, uh, to your point, with Josh Gordon on the field, Tom Brady averaged 8.2 yards per attempt, 6.9 without him. Make, right? Makes sense. Yeah. He's a little bit more dinker dunk. Gordon really stretched the field for him. Uh, just in terms of how it um, compares, it obviously hurts the fantasy value of a couple of the other guys. James White, 26% target share. I'm sorry. James White recorded a catch on 26% of his routes with Gordon off the field, with Gordon on 20%. Okay. Um, Edelman, 25% for, for both. So what, one last piece that I think is sort of interesting, Josh Gordon with Gronk off the field last year, yep. Josh Gordon averaged 16.3 air yards per target, way up from 11.5 that he averaged with Gronk on the field. So without Gronk, they were targeting deeper. Yeah. So listen, well, I, I think it hurts, I think it hurts, uh, James White a little bit. And I think it also makes, other than Julian, every non-Julian Edelman Patriots pass catcher undraftable in a standard 10-team ESPN redraft league. You know, Jacoby Myers is a guy that's had a really nice camp and I think is going to make the team. Um, just to give you a little bit on Jacoby Myers, just for people that are curious, 6'2", 203, uh, not the fastest guy in the world, ran a 4'6", uh, uh, at the Combine this year, but still... 12 for 151 and two touchdowns through two preseason games. He has looked impressive. He has certainly looked impressive. One of the most impressive receivers ever at North Carolina State. That's, you know, they've developed guys like Torrey Hilt and Jericho Cotri and others throughout the years. Um, Corin Robinson never played well in the NFL, but at the time was a blue chip prospect, seventh sure. overall, uh, in 2001. One last put the pin in the, uh, Josh but yeah, Gordon I mean, conversation. Like, so, but anyway, so like I would rank the, I would just currently rank the Patriots pass catchers. Edelman, Gordon, Nikhil Harry, Jacoby Myers, Philip Dorsett. Right. I mean, at that point, yeah, I understand Maurice Harris. Whatever, fantasy you, you go down the, go down the list, but just whatever. I mean, I think a lot of people had Nikhil Harry as a breakout, and that may still happen, but I think probably not until the second 
second half of the year, and there's probably other guys that I'm taking flyers on because, again, run-heavy team with Edelman and Gordon, you know, at best, he's the fourth pass-catching option because you know James White's going to be involved as well. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating situation now with Josh Gordon. The Patriots' offense feels more potent with him. We wish him well. Obviously, this guy has dealt with a lot of things that transcend the football field, and we'll see just how soon he returns to practice. Now, another piece to uh, sort of build off of from the weekend is the Cowboys went to the Ram- uh, went to Hawaii to play the Rams. And I, again, I express my sincere condolences to all those that were required to go to Hawaii to cover this game, including our own colleague, Mina Kimes. I hope you um, yeah. endured uh, the trek out there to Honolulu. By the way, uh, just congrats to Mina Kimes. It was awesome. Yeah, very to cool to see Mina part of the Rams really, broadcast she team. phenomenal. She did great. As expected. Which but, is completely expected. Right. So, she's awesome. Uh, but in the latest, where is Ezekiel Elliott? Because he's not in Hawaii. <laughs> but he he's back in has Dallas. reportedly returned <laughs> from Cabo to Dallas. Yep. This is a far trip. And right. it may mean something. It may mean nothing. There's a lot of smoke that this is trending towards Ezekiel Elliott getting a deal done before the regular season. But in the meantime, Matthew, you caught, I'm sorry, Tony Pollard caught your eye over the weekend. Yeah, I mean, just really impressive. So, I mean, look, he, so far in this in this uh, preseason, nine for 58, had a had a 14-yard touchdown run against the Rams uh, over the weekend. Really impressive. In fact, he was in for that entire first drive with the starters and looked great. Looked like the guy to the point that after the game, Jerry Jones was asked about Tony Pollard, and he was like, Zeke who? You know what I mean? They asked him about Zeke and Tony Pollard, and he was just like, Zeke who? And then he's just like, he he walked it back a little bit and joking a little bit. He just said, no, like, you know, we think Tony's going to be involved. He's going to be, you know, special and be helpful uh, along with the stuff that we have planned for Zeke. So a little bit on Tony Pollard here. Six foot, 215, out of Memphis there. Um, You know, had some nice uh, nice work uh, in Memphis as well. Backed up Daryl Henderson. Who you know? I know everyone's excited about for the Rams as well. Speaking speaking of the Rams, but um, so a friend of mine, uh, Curtis Patrick, does a great job on Twitter at cpatricknfl. Tweeted out the following, and I thought this was this was pretty good. Since the year two thousand, uh, only two players in college football amassed the following production profile: a hundred career rushing attempts, a hundred career receptions, seven kick return touchdowns, and that list is C.J. Spiller and Tony Pollard, right? Um. He is the only player in college football since 2000 to compile 100 career rushing attempts, 100 career receptions, and a career average of over 30 yards per kick return. Again, he's a he's a big play guy. Um, and then one last stat that uh, Curtis threw out there. Since 2000, only 26 college football players posted a season of at least 400 rushing yards, 400 receiving yards, 400 return yards, kick return yards. And among others, that list includes... McCaffrey, Christian McCaffrey, Chris Johnson, C.J. Spiller, Randall Cobb, Reggie Bush, Joe Mixon, Saquon Barkley, and Tony Pollard. Not sure I'm really ready to crown Saquon's leave in one season, but I get your point. <laughs> right. Listen, and there's some cherry-picked names in there, right? Okay, but— No, um, I know, I know. But It's the, good company to be in. Listen, it's good company to be in. Again, So, uh, anyway, Curtis does a really—follow Curtis on Twitter at uh, CPatrickNFL. He uh, he runs Rotoviz, which I think is a really good site as well. They're part of the Rotopass package, just full disclosure there. But anyway, I just really interesting, um, uh, re- interesting stuff, I think— there in terms of Tony Pollard and somebody that needs to be on your radar. Like, I actually think Tony Pollard needs to be drafted in 100% of leagues. And I will tell you why. Because Ezekiel Elliott's going to be drafted in 100% of leagues. And all Alfred Morris jokes aside, if Zeke doesn't play, I think Tony Pollard is going to be the starting running back of the NFL. Is he built to handle the kind of workload that Zeke has? I don't know. You know what I mean? Two guys are. But 
he would be the starting running back on one of the better offenses in the NFL and one of the more run-heavy offenses in the NFL. If you draft Zeke, you must draft Tony Pollard. Um, you know, like I said, I did that event at Vegas this weekend and I participated like in like, I don't know, 10 different drafts. Like we had a whole draft party Yep. and like, you know, Tony Pollard went in all of them. So the takeaway here, just to sort of close it all out, is that when we did our Double Trouble show, the third day of the podcast reopening season, we did not yet have a great feel for who the Cowboys clear cut backup running back would be. You are now at the point where you feel comfortable with it being Tony yeah. Pollard. I mean, we talked about Tony Pollard in that show, but we, right, we weren't sure. We were not quite would, there yet. So but Tony yes. Pollard has emerged as the back that you would most want to roster if you do use an I mean, early pick on Ezekiel Elliott. Am Even I alone if, in that? You guys, you guys agree with that? Disagree? Yeah, I, 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 I like it. Okay. I agree with you. And he looked good yesterday. Yeah, got closer for sure. Proven his case. Yep. Um, yeah, everybody looks good in Hawaii, though. Let's be honest. Everybody looks <laughs> yeah. really good. Uh, good you job. Haven't, you haven't seen me in Hawaii without that's my shirt a, on. That's a good point. Uh, Stefania, please tell us about ZipRecruiter if you'd be so kind. I will, Field. You know, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the weekly of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter.com slash 06010. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Double trouble. Double, double trouble. Trouble. Double trouble. Double double trouble. Double trouble. As of this moment, they're on double secret probation. Absolutely jam-packed double trouble for you today because two of the most intriguing teams in very different ways for fantasy football this season. Let's begin with our king, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs have a 10.5 win projection this year, according to Matthew's friends in Vegas. They yep. are seeking a franchise best, best five straight 10 plus win seasons. So let's begin here with Patrick Mahomes. We don't need to bore you with where we have him ranked. We know where you know where we have him ranked. Number one amongst quarterbacks. But where it does get interesting is draft strategy. That is the only question really as it pertains to Patrick Mahomes. And there may not be a perfect way to frame it because obviously different size leagues and different scoring systems and different people that you play with can all impact this. So let's do our best to speak generally. Speaking generally, Matthew Berry, what is the earliest that you would entertain drafting Patrick Mahomes? Because his current ADP is 17th. That's a late second round pick and that feels very early. Yeah, I mean, I have him at 29 overall. So okay. I'm as a late third rounder. Okay. Uh, but again, I think to your point, it depends on league size and what your roster is. So one of the drafts I did in Vegas, so long story, but like Friday night from the event, I said like, hey, if people come to the thing tomorrow, I'll do, I got asked and I said, sure, I'll play in a league with you. And so yep. we set up a, a bunch of different leagues of people that were at the event Friday night that came to the event on Saturday and we all just drafted together. And so it was a lot of fun. But one of the leagues was like, just wound up being an eight team league. Yep. And so we made it a, we made it a super flex league. 
right? And so in an eight-team Superflex League, and I had pick eight, I was like, I went Mahomes. In the first round, it, again, it's That's an different. eight. Again, right, because so, it's, a, it's a shallow league, so I was worried about running back any of the other the, positions. It's the Adam Schefters. No, That's but, right. So, but so sort of speaking generally. for and the, a super flex league. So it's a two-quarterback, right. All right in essence, so, a two-quarterback league. If you were to play in just a standard 10-team league where you're starting one quarterback and late he is third. awarded four. Late third? So your yeah, answer is Yeah, I mean, that's what I have, him at, I have him at the 29th. So late third, early fourth, depending on sort of how you have it, how, yeah. how, how the draft is going for you. Because the thing is, is that I know a lot of people want to scream regression about Patrick Mahomes. And maybe he regresses. Like, there's certainly a chance. There's, it's more likely than not he regresses, right? Yep. I mean, we've looked at it, and we've looked at sort of all the players that have had those kind of seasons, those 50-touchdown type seasons, right? Whether it's... Tom Brady or Peyton Manning, and you go there. But again, um, those players, if you take the percentage that they regress, you took the average of all those players that have had 40 or more touchdown passes, and you took the average of it and uh, of what they regressed, and you put that to Patrick Mahomes, he still would have finished as the number one quarterback in fantasy last year, right? Um, again, take 15 touchdown passes away from him. Take 950 passing yards and six touchdown passes. Take 1,000 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, and one rushing touchdown away. Take 62 fantasy points away. All those things, he still would have been the number one quarterback in fantasy. The idea being basically field that Patrick Mahomes can regress a significant amount and still be the number one quarterback in, in fantasy. Now, There's also the argument that he's just special. He's an outlier. Sure, right. That's the thing is that I still think he has to be an outlier to justify a pick that early because just finishing quarterback one is not enough to merit a super premium on drafting a quarterback before any other, if that makes sense, right? So let's sure. say he, and again, not counting on this, but mm-hmm. in the event that Patrick Mahomes regresses to some of those barriers that you mentioned, like, you know, he goes from 50 to 37 touchdown passes and he finishes 20 points ahead of Deshaun Watson. Well, then drafting him two or two and a half rounds sooner than Deshaun Watson is not necessarily great return on investment. It's not that he has to be special. Uh, it's that he has to be special relative to every other quarterback. Because you're right. right. I, I am thinking there is a chance that, um, you know, I think there's a chance that he has a, a similar season to last year. 45 touchdowns. Right. And assuming every right. other quarterback does not reach that threshold, then I'm with you in that third round investment. Now, again, that's the risk you take, right? Like, if you're willing to take him at 28 and he yields that, then it's great. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, he's closer to where every other quarterback is then hindsight will tell you that that was a risk, not not a risky, but it was a less than worthwhile investment because you'll probably have somebody like, again, just making this up here, Carson Wentz go in round eight. Sure, sure. Who will be close to what Patrick Mahomes yeah, is. I mean, that's the, I, I think that point is well taken and I think it's it makes a ton of sense, right? Which is um, that you're banking on him not only being the number one quarterback in fantasy, but number one by a decent margin, which is what he was last year. Um, the fact is, is that he's going as 16th. Yep, because you're not going to get him right. Just understand that if you want Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to reach for him. And it's one of those things, and I wrote about this in the manifesto that you um, that either you're either drinking the Kool Aid or you're not. Right. Like we can talk about all the stats and, and regression. Like it's it's positive that pretty much the entire offense is back, with the exception of running back, and we'll talk about that in a second. But and you know it's a sec it's another year in Andy Reid's uh, system, and we don't think the defense is going to be that much better than it was last year. So that should be some more shootouts. For Patrick Mahomes, but um, but yeah, like you're either drinking the Kool Aid or you're not yeah, on him. Fair. And I believe in every league, there's at least one person that will drink the Kool Aid. So I would be surprised if he gets out of the second round in any 
you know, any normal league. The other thing I'd say about it is that I feel like he's a he, he's safe, right? He's borderline fail proof. So like, you will not lose your league because yeah. you draft Patrick Mahomes super early. You just may not win your league by drafting Patrick Mahomes super early, if that makes sense. Yeah. Let's get to his pass catchers because. And by the way, and just so, just one last piece of uh, comparison here. So I have Mahomes at twenty nine. Here's the people I have around him. Thielen, Adam Thielen, Chris Carson, Zach Ertz, T.Y. Hilton, Amari Cooper, Devontae Freeman. I mean, like, all those guys have somewhat question marks to sure, them, right? Yeah, no I mean, question. you know, I mean, you could argue Hilton's a little bit safer, but we don't know about Andrew Luck's health, Ertz, and, you know, Carson's a little injury pony, even though I love him. So it's just, you get into those, you start getting into those question marks. Let's keep there. spinning things That's forward with pass catchers, and it's a pretty cut-and-dry group because they're all very, very good. Tyreek Hill, who, again, has been... Not at all punished by the NFL. No suspension, no fine. The NFL has said if they find more evidence or anything else pertaining to the off-the-field off matter he dealt with this offseason involving his young son, um, they will reinvestigate this. Or they will look into this further. But as of right now, uh, Diver Kill is scheduled to play 16 games this season. We have him at wide receiver 6 for me. Matthew has him at wide receiver 7. His ADP amongst wide receivers is 6th. Frankly, that's far lower than where he was last year. When he yep. was the number one scoring player amongst wide receivers in fantasy, Matthew, can we expect a? I mean, uh, there's, there's really, you know, you want to make the case for Tyree Kill number one as a wide receiver? Like that's, it's, you can make it. There's really no need to argue that one. He was the number one wide receiver last <laughs> literally, year. Literally, you know, yeah. asked and answered. I guess the only, the reason I have him, and when I say low, I mean I have him at wide receiver seven. I guess is a little bit of the inconsistency, right? So five different weeks last year, he finished as the third best wide receiver in fantasy or better. And he had four different weeks, actually, where he was the number one wide receiver in fantasy for the week. He actually he also had four weeks where he was outside the top 40 of wide receivers. So there's a little bit more, especially because he's such a you know a deep ball player, there's a little bit more variance there Correct. than somebody like a Michael Thomas or a Julio Jones or Hopkins or Adams, Juju, all of whom I have a higher than him. I also have Beckham as well. Where I think there's more of a floor you know, there may not be a player that has as high a ceiling as Tyreek Hill, especially given, you know, not only his skill set, but the skill set of that offense and Patrick Mahomes' arm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, because of that, a little bit of inconsistency there is why just, I have him at I seven. Mean, a teeny tiny bit. I'll just to further that point, Matthew, is he caught 59.6% of his targets. Last year, Michael Thomas had like a record setting season, like 85 or 88% yeah. of his targets he caught. So just, you throw the football down the field further, it's a less likely to land in the receiver's hands. It's just a more risky proposition. But you want to take Tyree Kills the back end of the first round? I think that's going to be something most people will understand. We, we all believe that it, it would appear, and I'll just ask you to put on your NFL insider hat for one minute. With a, obviously, there's things we may not know, but it would appear that the investigation seems to be over and that if there's any if there's any drama for Ty, Tyree Kill, it would be new drama. We don't feel like... that. I'm not as comfortable saying that only okay. because the NFL left the door open at the end sure. of their statement saying if new information comes to light. Sure. But for right now, he is in line to play 16 games this season. Right. Sammy Watkins was the number two wide receiver in Kansas yeah, City so, last year. So there's year. a little, there is a little bit of risk there with Tyreek Hill. Yep. The one, but yeah. All right. Go ahead. You can't quantify it though. It's just hard to, you know, no, it's a, I mean, that's they, out of all of our, again, without any purview. judgment on, on the player or the person, just in general to that case, it does feel like, they investigated for a long time. They did, and we'll see whether anything goes on from there. 
Sammy Watkins, the Chiefs' number two wide receiver. I've got him at wide receiver 36. Matthew has him at wide receiver 30. So following it, it just feels like every year part of the concern that people are going to have with Sammy Watkins is that injury-prone, brittle, whatever you want to call him. He's missed a lot of time in his young NFL career. He has, and I think that some of that has to be sort of baked into how you value Sammy Watkins. You just sort of expect that there's going to be missed time. If you go back 2014, played in all 16 games, then it was 13, 8, 15, and 10. Last year, people may not remember, he had a right foot injury, right foot injury yeah. uh, that kept him out for the, the final games of the of the season. And I look at now, so his ADP right now is 29. Last year, he finished wide receiver 38 on a point-per-game basis. I figure you bake in some missed time. It basically accounts for the value, as I said, maybe 10 to 12 games at around 14 points per game if you're hopeful. Um, but keep in mind, only one end zone target last year, too. So I think the volume is sort of intermediate worth when you come to Sammy Watkins, and that's about what you're getting. You know, normally when a team makes a major investment, in three years and 48 million bucks is a major investment in a player, they try to justify it, right? Like you see a team go out of its way to like, hey, we paid all this money to Le'Veon Bell, we better start using him a bunch, right? The Chiefs and Sammy Watkins, not only do they not have to, like it actually might be less beneficial for their offense to force the football to Sammy Watkins because he's clearly the third best pass catcher on this team. It actually feels like a really good fit. Like I feel, you know, Sammy Watkins after he left Buffalo, and then you know he bounced around a bit, and then when he got to Kansas City, it just felt like it sort of works for them. Sure, yeah, but it just like I think the thing with Sammy Watkins is like in earlier stages of his career, he had not the Sean Jackson like yo yo ness to him, right. but really good big play threat. Well, in Kansas City, he's not. As a matter of fact, it was reflected last year. His air yards per target last year was eight point four. It's forty three percent his career average. He was much more of a short to intermediate passing game threat than he was a deep threat, Matthew. And, you know, rosterable, unquestioned, no, no question about that. But going into week one, it's not like I say to myself, hey, you know what, Sammy Watkins is a fixture for me, guaranteed no, no ifs, ands, or buts. No, but I think there's there's significant upside. I mean, so I have him ranked, I mean, you and I both have him ranked as a wide receiver four. Yep. Right? And I think that's right. I mean, so there's there's significant upside there. Like, you know, had double-digit fantasy points in the majority of his games last year. Uh, for his career, when he's uh, his last—I should say, not just for his career—but if you look at his last 16 games where he's gotten at least seven targets, 86 catches over 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, would have been 311 fantasy points. Would have been the seventh best wide receiver in fantasy last year. Now that's over a number of years, obviously, but sure. the point being that, like, when he's the guy and getting, you know, he can put up big fantasy points. But yes, with Tyree Kill stretching the field. Watkins is playing underneath more, which may help. I mean, last year caught a a career high seventy two percent of his targets, which I mean, you know, so I I think he's more valuable in PPR than he is in in standard. And to Stefania's point, like they're not looking at him when they get to the end zone. You know, I mean, it's uh, when they get in close. But if something were to happen to Tyreek Hill, obviously he would just be you know he'd be clearly a top ten fantasy wide receiver. And I think just. Being in that offense, he was the fourth option last year, and again, still was a, you know, was a wide receiver four. Yeah, wide receiver four game last year on a points so per game basis right. for Sammy Watkins. One more name to note amongst these wide receivers is Mecole Hardman, second round pick out of Georgia. Now, remember when the draft took place, the Chiefs were certainly very concerned about the availability for Tyree Kill. That disturbing audio was released about an hour before first uh, the first round of the NFL draft. So I don't know how much of that influenced the Mecole Hardman pick. The guy can absolutely fly. He's he is fast. an incredible speedster yeah. out of Georgia. 
I don't know that there's necessarily like you know you don't necessarily back up every top tier wide receiver. Um, Hill, whether it's your concerns about any sort of injury or any sort of off field stuff, I think that the player that you would feel most comfortable rostering behind him would be me, Cole Hardman. Certainly a name to keep in mind. The Fantasy Focus Football Podcast is sponsored by ADT. What does real protection mean for our listeners? You can all get, you can get all the latest innovation in smart home security from ADT combined with 24-7 monitoring for the most trusted name in home security. You got a team of professionals designing and installing a small, a secure smart home just for you. You get 18,000 employees safeguarding, 18,000 with connection to first responders. You get the nation's number one smart home security provider. You can get a secure smart home with everything from video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras, smart locks and lights, all that controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. You can get professionally monitored carbon monoxide and smoke detectors. You can get a system custom designed to fit your home. You can get safety on the go, in the car, or when the kids are at school with the uh, all four of Matthew's children, all four of them, with the ADT Go app with an SOS button. Shout out to our friends at ADT. Next up for the Chiefs is Damian Williams, a player that at one point this offseason, I felt strongly enough that I had named him my breakout candidate of the year. He took over last year once uh, Kareem Hunt was waived by the Chiefs. He played very well from them. There's been all this sort of rumblings about a potential work uh, split in Kansas City. And part of it's defying is because he was dealing with it at the outset of training camp. Is nagging the proper way to put this uh, yeah, injury? His hamstring is sort of lingering around. But, uh, you know, it was interesting because it was Rick Burkholder, who is the head athletic trainer for the Kansas City Chiefs, that said, you know, these are the things that are present in the early part of training camp. And a lot of it is just getting acclimated to football, dehydration, et cetera. It didn't sound like they were overly concerned um, and I think to your point, Damian Williams showed what he could do when he was given the opportunity. Interesting stat for you about him. This comes from Warren Sharp, Sharp's football analysis, obviously does a great job. Uh, that he, if you're looking at Mahomes to Williams connection, there's an opportunity here because Patrick Mahomes last year led the league in first down passes to running backs, 69% success rate, 10.1 yards per attempt. Damian Williams is a decent pass catcher. So if and and Kansas City, if they are going to pass on first down a fair amount, that's just more fantasy value for Damian Williams relative to other pass catching running backs. So, Matthew, he is a player that right now is being drafted 21st amongst running backs and falling. I've got him running back 17. You remain resolute at running back 12. I actually think that you're sort of you have it right over the ADP here. You have noted that traditionally Andy Reid's M.O. has been one back and one back only that carries most of the load. Yeah, that's correct. And, I mean, honestly, he played the majority of uh, the first-team offense. He played the majority of the first series with the first-team offense, and then Mahomes was still in in the second series, and Hyde came in, uh, and there was some Darwin Thompson. We'll talk about those guys. But Damian Williams played the majority of the – he played the the entire first series. He's always been a running back by – he's always been a pick-one guy coach, Andy Reid. He's never really done – much of a running back by committee. And again, like, I know there are people that don't think Damian Williams is that talented of a running back here. Uh, I actually think he, uh, I think he, I think there's not enough sample size yet. Like, you know, I mean, he didn't play, he played sparingly at Miami, right? And then we, we you know, we saw him as the guy for a short time in, my, in Kansas City last year where he excelled. Yeah. But regardless, even if you don't think, if you think Damian Williams is just a guy, trust in the Andy Reid starting running back. Since he took over in Kansas City in 2013, 
the Kansas City uh, running back ranks uh, whoever the Kansas City starting running back is, right? They're third in yards per carry, fourth in rushing touchdowns. They're sixth in yards before first contact. He's great at getting running backs into space and freeing them up. I mean, here's a guy that, in Damian Williams, in this system, in games in which he got 10 or more touches, including the playoffs last year, 24.4 fantasy points per game last year. Only Todd Gurley averaged more points than that during among running backs during the regular season. So, I don't know. I mean, like... He's the starting running back on one of the best offenses in football. You know, rising tides float all boats. Like Patrick Mahomes, like, like we can all agree, right? Kansas City's going to have a very good offense that we think Mahomes is really great. So the only argument against uh, against Damian Williams is, oh well, it might be a committee. We don't think it's a committee, right? So I don't know. Yeah, basically, if you think it's if you think he's the man, then having him as a top fifteen running back play is the only way that you can answer right now in terms of his value for Damian Williams. I tend to think he is going to be the man. I have just hedged a little bit at having him at running back seventeen. But if it's not Damian Williams, and, but in your in your hedge is is what it's based on is production like if it's, or if it's uh no, it, it's based off of the fact that he's he's more journeyman than he is. Like right, you know, like I, I don't even know if Kansas City saw that much in Damian Williams until they actually had to use him as a starting running back. Right, right? they were but, stumbling into they, they had no choice at week fifteen sure, of sure. last year. But let's play that out for one more second because that I've heard that argument. Let's say he is more journeyman than than star running back. Yep. What are their options at the moment, right? Because they've got well, that's they don't I, have that's a lot behind it. Like, yeah, right. So, so who, is your if anybody is your belief that they would go to a running back by committee? If if that turns out to be the case, if yes, because my thinking is that if it's not Damian Williams as a one man band, it's a total workload split amongst Chiefs running backs, and that includes the likes of Carlos Hyde, the veteran presence. Darwin Thompson, a six-round pick this year. So, does anybody amongst that group, also Darrell Williams on the roster, anybody in that group merit a roster spot right now, Matthew? I would contend no. See, I think Darwin Thompson, you know, 10-team league, it's a little bit tough, but like a 12-team league, I think he's worth a flyer. I have him in a couple of deeper leagues that have done. I think he's an interesting best ball guy to grab. So, listen, he has looked good. He is he has looked good in the preseason. Uh, Andy Reid said of him, uh, quote, he's got good vision in the run game, and then he's got a pretty good understanding of the passing game. Andy Reid basically talked about how Darwin Thompson more advanced than they thought he would be when they drafted him. He's you know, uh, he a sixth-round pick out of Utah State. But the fact here is, is that Dar- Darwin Thompson, like if you just watch, like he's a, he, is, he is a big play waiting to happen. He is explosive. He's a smaller guy, but he is tough. Like they ran him between the tackles sometimes. I mean, I don't know. I just think he's a very interesting name for deeper leagues and for 10-team standard leagues just to file away, just to be aware of it, and we'll see what happens next week with the third week, uh, the third preseason game. But I am I am fully in. I am pot committed to Damian Williams being the guy in Kansas City and being a superstar running back and a, a bargain at his current ADP of running back 21. I like it. There may not be anything as close to a sure thing in fantasy football as you'd like it to be, but I think the surest thing in fantasy football this season is Travis Kelsey. He plays a position where there are very few star players. He plays it very well. His role has not necessarily changed over the course of his career. It's only gotten bigger and better. Travis Kelsey led the NFL with 15 games, 5-plus catches last season. He is the consensus tight end one this year. I think he's the safest player in fantasy football, Matthew. I completely... I completely at least agree. in the conversation. Yeah. I mean, like, look at this. Like, so 
800 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns in all five of his NFL seasons. No other tight end has such a streak over the past 15 years. So second most catches inside the opponent's 30-yard line this season, right? Only Michael Thomas had more last year. So it really comes down to where do you want to take a tight end? We all agree he's he's the number one tight end. It's not close. He is he's got, you know, a super high floor, over a hundred catches last year. Part of the reason he had he could put up those numbers, he's only missed one game in the last five seasons. Yeah. I mean, After it's that incredible. injury to begin his yeah. career, which cost him basically all of his rookie season, Travis Kelsey has been a force. His twenty six point two percent target share last year was the most by a tight end. Since Tony Gonzalez in 2008. He's Six good. most red zone targets in the NFL last year. 12 end zone targets tied with Tyree Kill for the best in the NFL. If I say safe and it bothers people, call it most reliable. Call it most consistent. Whatever you want. I'm in on Ty- on, on Travis Kelsey. If you take him in the back end of the first round, I I, I don't even... I, you I, I respect even, you. I applaud you. Yeah, like no issue with that. I'm at 14 overall. That's actually where he's going on ESPN.com. He's going at 14 overall, so he's middle of the second round. So anywhere between sort of the end of the first to the middle of the second, or obviously later, I'm good with. It just depends on sort of draft strategy and whether you want to do it. I will say that if you end up not drafting Kelsey, and I'm okay with it because, again, we've talked about the the Ingrams and the Howards and the Hunter Henrys, and, you know, I love Vance McDonald this year. I'm okay waiting on tight end. Uh, so it just sort of depends on on your status there. I will say that if you don't draft Travis Kelsey – I don't love where Kittle and Ertz are going in their ADP. So if you want to go, if you want to have a, one of the big three, to me, Kelsey's the tight end to target. Let's take a quick break and come back and talk about the Raiders. We're back. Let's talk about the Raiders, who soon <laughs> will live in Vegas. That's right. They will soon be the Las Vegas Raiders. Vegas has them for just six wins. It's this is so the last fitting. year that Vegas can get away yeah. with these so six fitting. wins nonsense. All right. Starting next year, Vegas will project the Raiders for 14 wins minimum every single yeah. year. Let's begin with their quarterback, and we can probably make this By the way, if, quick. If, anyone, if anyone from the Raiders is listening and wants some tips when they move to Vegas, let me know. Sure I, I got, up. I got, sure I got some what hookups. They would love is that for their for their folks to get you know tips on where to go out. They yeah, I'm just I, I got some hookups at Omnia. Football. I got some hookups at Caesar's Palace. I got some places they could go. Derek Carr is not being drafted as a startable quarterback. He's being drafted 22nd overall amongst QBs. I've got him 21st. Matthew, you've got him at 23. How would you paint the quick case for Derek Carr to be a useful fantasy quarterback this year? Antonio Brown. That Antonio Brown plays and the additions of. Uh, Antonio Brown, Tyrell Williams, Josh Jacobs in the backfield, my boy Darren Waller getting uh, getting some love. All those things add to fantasy success. That you think about uh, offensive coordinator Greg Olson there, who you know made Blake Bortles a top twelve fantasy quarterback, you know, uh, for a few years there in Jacksonville, and then was part of the first season that Jared Goff. He was the quarterbacks coach in Los Angeles when Jared Goff had his big year, his first big year under McVay. So he came over to L.A. with McVay to be the quarterback's coach, and then John Gruden hired him to be the offense coordinator. So the argument for him is that the upgrade in talent, and because there's an upgrade in talent, they become more pass-heavy and more more fantasy-friendly. Having said that, he doesn't add a lot with his legs. I'm outside the top 20. But you asked me to make the case for him. Right, no, the, that, the, that case, was, the, case the case is everything clicks. And their, defense is, and their defense is bad, so it's a lot of junk time, and then mm-hmm. they they just he's just got to chuck it. I mean, I think people forget – 
This is a team that that uh, that threw a ton last year. They certainly did throw the football, but let's get to the guys that matter more this year, which is the pass catchers. Let's begin with the saga that seemingly will not end. Yesterday around 5.30, GM Mike Mayock issued a statement in regards to wide receiver Antonio Brown. Basically an ultimatum from him. Hey, he has left training camp, and we're at the point where you got to make a decision, Antonio. You're either all the way in or you're all the way out. As of right now, Antonio Brown has not found a helmet that satisfies his desires. His feet are not yet healthy enough to be removed from the non-football injury list. Stefania, let's begin there. Just from a foot perspective, do we expect Antonio Brown to be on the field in week one? Well, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, was asked this very question on Get Up This Morning, and his response specific to Antonio Brown's feet was that he was not quite there yet, but that he was improving, and that his hope was that uh, he would be ready to go by week one. In fact, he said he thought that he would be ready to go by week one. It almost seems like the feet are the secondary issue because the helmet is certainly taking up much of the focus. But to be honest, if he's not out there testing it or working with the staff, like how do we know? We're just going off of this uh, report from his agent. So I, I think everyone would but like to But I'm sure his see- agent would be 100% honest, right? Look, it's it, it, I, I have the feeling just from the whole, the full discussion that happened on the show this morning that everything is pointing to Antonio Brown being there and being ready to play by week one, no matter what ups and downs happen between now and then. But what I would say is, you guys know I always talk about this adaptability to football when you haven't played in a long time, you haven't sure. done anything. Obviously, Antonio Brown works out, keeps himself in amazing shape, but he hasn't been able to do that exactly that if the feet have been a problem. So if you all of a sudden are playing four quarters of football and sprinting up and down the field and you and stopping and starting, it's the acceleration, deceleration, pivoting, planting. Those are the things that bother his feet. If you haven't been doing that and all of a sudden you're doing it for four quarters, is that going to present a problem for you? I think there's a little bit of a reason to be worried about that. Yeah, and I think that's the point, Field. You know, I, we talked about this on the on the marathon quite a bit. He was kind of the dominating storyline because the helmet thing had just sort of just happened. But my big take on Antonio Brown this year is that there's risk, whereas there used to be none. This is a guy who the past six seasons was drafted as the number one wide receiver in fantasy Yep, and finished there, except for last year, I guess he was number two um, uh, on a points per game basis, I believe. Very close. The point right. is, I mean, the point is, is that star last year for the last six years, Antonio Brown has been like Travis Kelsey, money in the bank when it comes to fantasy football. Just somebody that you could write in, you know, set it and forget it and never worry about it. There was just no risk with him. And now all of a sudden, there's risk, right? There's risk with the feet. There's risk with, uh, there's risk with the helmet thing. Shout out to Adam Schefter, by the way, who during the marathon said more than once on our air saying, cause he, during the marathon, he had, AB had released that Instagram photo saying, sorry, I lost the arbitration, but you know, onward and I'll be there. No big deal. And, you know, Schefter was like, I don't think we've heard the last of this helmet issue. And what do you know? Yesterday, we haven't heard the last of this helmet issue. And Drew Rosenhaus is out there trying to do damage control. And, and so, uh, look, we know he's an insanely talented player. We know that whenever he's on the field, he's going to get a massive target share. But from Big Ben to Derek Carr is a downgrade, right? He hasn't had nearly as much time to connect with Derek Carr this pre- offseason. And obviously, you've got years and years of connection between Ben and A.B. So I have uh, Antonio Brown, I believe, as wide receiver seven. No, no, I take that back. I think I'm at nine. 
Um, yes, yes, I have him at wide receiver 9 field. You have him at 10. He's currently going at wide receiver 8. So we all have him basically the same range, which is as a lower-end wide receiver 1. But the point is, there is risk with Antonio Brown where there never was before. He's currently going just ahead of Mike Evans. In my own personal ranks, I have Mike Evans just one spot ahead of Antonio Brown. I think there's, believe it or not, I think there's less risk with Mike Evans. No question about that. And there's also, so let's just say Antonio Brown either is hampered by the feet or is not actually there in week one. Tyra Williams slash other Raiders wide receivers become sort of interesting. So I guess my, my question is this. In the event that there's some sort of Antonio Brown absence, how much value does Tyra Williams carry? And are you drafting him merely for the protection or are you drafting him because you think there's a way that both he and Antonio Brown when on the field together are actually both pretty productive I think it's somewhere in the middle there right certainly there is significant upside right he's had eight different games remember Tyrell Williams came on and the Chargers obviously Keenan Allen commands a a tremendous target share uh, when he was there but there's only eight career games in which Tyrell Williams got at least eight or more targets and in those eight those eight games 45 catches, 599 yards, three touchdowns, 15.4 fantasy points per game. Yeah. Over a full season, that's wide receiver 13, just ahead of Brandon Cooks. Just between Cooks and, and Keenan Allen there. So Tyrell Williams, who's a, a talented player when he's gotten a shot, yes, I think he would you know, be a top 20 wide receiver if Antonio really? Brown were to miss any time. We just don't know yet, Field, if the Raiders can support Two fantasy-relevant wide receivers, especially given the depth of the position. We'll learn a lot about Tyrell Williams this year as well, just because forever he was a backup, essentially, or at least a you know a non-full-time player in, in, in Los Angeles and San Diego. And he's such a vertical threat. That was kind of what he was used as almost exclusively in Los Angeles. Yep. Maybe they try to diversify his game a little bit with the Raiders. Also, Hunter Renfro on the radar. I just say this. Hunter Renfro has been having a killer camp for the Raiders. Don't know that there's value in a not in a ten team league right now, no. but in the sixteen team league, late end of the draft, or in a deeper PPR league, yeah, just a name to keep in mind. Just um, you know, last year, uh, you know, Derek Carr, Derek Carr has actually been pretty good. Uh, he's been better in terms of uh, passer rating to the slot than he is to the non slot. So we expect Hunter Renfro to be the starting slot receiver for the Oakland Raiders and there's a reason they drafted him like he's a you know he's he's the kind of he's the kind of kid that uh you know uh, doesn't look like a football player which he jokes about you know but uh super reliable and it's interesting uh, I interviewed Antonio Brown in Las Vegas a couple of months ago at the NFLPA event that I went to and I asked Antonio Brown I said just give me a sleeper on your team who's impressing you in practice and he's like Hunter Renfro and same thing, interviewed Josh Jacobs at the FSGA conference in New York a month ago. And I said, give me a sleeper in your team. Just, you know, just why that was the question. Give me a sleeper in your team. Hunter Renfro. So interesting, right? Mm. I mean, just yeah. he, he's if nothing else, we've we've heard we've heard, you know, great quotes from the coaches, but also his fellow players are noticing him. Interesting. Yep. He is certainly on the radar. Let's and you can also learn more about him on HBO's Hard Knocks, Matthew. HBO Sports, NFL Films, and the Oakland Raiders have teamed up for an unfiltered all-access look at what it takes to make it in the National Football League. It's Hard Knocks training camp with the Oakland Raiders. The new season of the groundbreaking sports reality series field spotlights the historic AFC West franchise that has an intriguing mix of established veterans, highly regarded rookie hopefuls, and free agent acquisitions under head coach John Gruden. Don't miss Hard Knocks training camp with the Oakland Raiders. 
New episodes Tuesdays at 10 p.m. only on HBO. Let's get to a couple of players that Matthew likes very much, and we begin with Matthew's fantasy ride or die, Mr. Josh Jacobs. We've talked about him a lot, Matthew, so you can empty the vault one That's more time guy. and tell him why he I is love your ride me, or die. I love me some Josh Jacobs. Uh, look, in, you know, sometimes there's a danger in, in interviewing players and getting to know them, right? I mean, because you just don't know. Sometimes you like a player and... Uh, you know, and that colors your opinion of them. Sure, there are, yeah. there have been players that I've interviewed that I haven't thought were great guys, and right. then they, they still are, are I, good. I know. And you, I, you were the first person to call Tom Brady a jerk. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't know why, but seemed like that one worked out for you, huh? Uh, yeah. No, and, and, um, but there are players, whatever, I'm not gonna, but I will tell you that I love this kid. And it's not just the, he's an easy kid to root for if you find out his story and everything that he's gone through. But more importantly, the talent is obvious. You watch the tape. He just pops off at 5.9 yards per carry during his career at Alabama. He's a guy that caught a ton of balls as well. Look, I know we split time with Damian Harris, but there's two ways to go about that. Either the, he's not a workhorse back or, hey, he's fresh. There's a lot of tread left on the tires. He was the first-round pick uh, not only of, a, of the Oakland Raiders, but the first running back off the board yep. in last year's NFL draft. And you sort of look at the history of, of first-round running backs, running backs drafted in the first round. And they tend to do pretty well in fantasy. And part of it is because they get so much volume, which is the, one of the arguments for Josh Jacobs, right? John Gruden's had 12 years as a head coach in the NFL. His number one running back has averaged 257 touches. He's just gotten a ton, a, a ton of work. They're going to use him in the passing game. He's a pretty good pass catcher. So that he was, Josh told me during the interview that like in practice, they've been lining up in the slot. They line him up outside. Like they're doing different things to keep him on the field all three downs and have him involved in the passing game. And the last thing I think is super interesting is that when he was a senior in high school, Josh Jacobs played quarterback. Now, it you was Wildcat. You I love do. this story. I, well, he played Wildcat. It was Wildcat quarterback, but still. You know, and I, I, when I interviewed him, I said, like, whoa, we got to talk to, we got to tell Coach Gruden about this. And he's like, oh, Josh Jacobs was like, we already have the package installed. Like, so, I mean, I think you'll see him throwing some passes this year. Now, maybe is it five? Is it two? I don't, you know, is it 10? We'll, we'll find out. But, in, an, in a lost season last year for the Raiders, they were still sixth in red zone uh, rush percentage. They ran when they got in close. I think this is a special player who's going to get massive opportunity. We've seen it in the last couple of years with rookies, whether it was Kareem Hunt, whether it was uh, Saquon Barkley last year, whether it was, you know, you think about, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's rookie year, uh, you know, Alvin Kamara's rookie year, David Johnson's rookie year, like rookie running backs. Uh, more often than not, have had a fantasy impact, a positive one. Josh Jacobs, my fantasy ride or die this year. Just hope he stays on the field for every down. The only way that he would not would be if on third down they gave some run to Jalen Rashard, who does things uh, in the passing game very yep. well. He had a 15.2% target share last year. Now they were terrible playing from behind all the time. <laughs> Won't be the same this year. But he also caught, uh, of his 81 targets, he had zero drops. Now there might there were some off-target throws, etc., but... When the ball was in the catch radius of Jalen Richard, you know he is going to be money in the best. Best yards per carry of the three running backs that they had last year. Not a great running game, but at least he did find a way to semi-stand out. Matthew, it's like the Raiders have elicited this, like, you're in. You're basically a Redskins fan who likes the Raiders more this year. <laughs> Darren well, you know, Waller. have a backup plan. Tight end 26 in terms of ADP. I've got him at tight end 23. You've got him all the way up. At tight end 15, you're in on Darren Waller. I'm super in on Darren Waller, and at tight end 15, I may not even be uh, in on him enough. And so Darren Waller is somebody that I've been on for a long time. Out of the combine, same sort of thing. We interviewed Greg Olson, their offense coordinator, and I said, and at this point, Jared Cook was still on the team. They didn't know if Jared Cook was coming back 
to the team. I just said, uh, I said to Greg Olson, I said, give me a sleeper on your team. And he said, Darren Waller. Nice. He says, we, we think we have something special in this kid. He's like, I don't know what's going to happen with Jared. You know, that's still being decided, but we think there's something special with this kid. We think we found something. So Darren Waller, 6'6", 255, ran, ran a 4440 at the combine, a converted wide receiver out of Georgia Tech. Like he's, but he is big. He is fast. Remember the Raiders last year, top seven overall in terms of tight end targets and tight end red zone targets. Now, somebody could argue, well, that's because Jared Cook was all they had. But I also think that's somewhat of the offense and where Derek Carr is comfortable throwing the ball. Obviously, I'm not saying he's going to take away stuff from Antonio Brown or even Tyrell Williams. But I think the Raiders offense will be improved this year. Darren Waller is going to be the starting wide, starting tight end on a team that has a lot of targets available. Um, and he's, you know, he's not even being drafted. So yeah, nobody vacated more targets this offseason than the Raiders. Now they added players like Antonio Brown, which should account for a lot of them. But to your point, Darren Waller, athletic tight end. Hard to find one of those. It's New York Times bestselling author Matthew Berry with another self-serving, self-indulgent, all-about-me promo. Just want to give another shout-out to the Fantasy Life app. I learned about the Josh Gordon news from the Fantasy Life app. Like The alerts are... Absolutely crushing. If you don't believe me, why don't you take the word of, you know, almost 800 users on iTunes that have all given us 4.8 stars. Um, it is like, it's a great community for fantasy football in terms of, you know, you can, you can post polls and you know, memes and gifts and you can comment on other people's. I highly recommend getting into a chat where you can get advice. And so it's just, it's a really fun community. If you like talking about fantasy football, if you listen to this podcast, I'm assuming you do. It's a great opportunity. But even if you don't, uh, quote, go into the app and I highly recommend you checking it out and you can compete for uh, prizes on our compete tab. But even if you don't do any of those things, the alerts are worth it. Download the app. And I guess here's the best part. It's a hundred percent free. Like, why wouldn't you try it out? Why free? wouldn't you try it out? Because it's like, if you hate it, just delete it. It's a free app. Not 100% 50% free. free. No. 100%, 100% free. free. Free? I always love it when people tweet at me saying, like, Barry, I heard you pimping this thing for so long. I finally broke down and, and got it, and now I don't understand how I lived without it. It's so awesome. Again, there's a reason why we're at 4.8 stars, and I think we're at, like, 4.85 or something like that. Can we like get that, that to 4.9? I'll side round up for sure. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Field, you got to pull your review down. I got it. Uh, FantasyLifeApp.com or wherever you get apps. It's in the Android and iOS app store. couple of quick questions. And by the way, this Facebook stream that we're doing every day. Also, if you go to the ESPN Fantasy page, you can find videos on demand. We'll be answering questions every single day. Good stuff there. Keith, what do you got for us? And as long as you're on Facebook, follow my Facebook page. Facebook.com slash MatthewBerryTMR. <laughs> do you have a public Facebook page there, Stefania? I do. Yeah, it's where is Stefania it? Stefania Bell. Stefania Bell. It's not... It's, not crazy. Yeah. yeah. We have fun. fun. We have fun on my uh, on my uh, Facebook page. I answer some questions. Sometimes Thirsty Kyle goes in there and answers some questions. Yeah. Nice. I yeah. like it. I'm more you of a SoundCloud guy, but whatever. What do you got, people. Keith? Yeah, we got I some got responses people. on. I got minions. Uh, we got some responses about the Tony Pollard take. So one person actually said they dropped Jameson Crowder for, for Pollard. That was dumb. Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest. <laughs> but they're... Okay. Well, they're just, they're I just saying. I, and then the, there's. I, I would. I would not couch it that way because I think it. We don't know what his other wide receivers. Crowder was like a sixth wide receiver. Okay. If fair he has enough. Ezekiel Elliott, like I mean, I yeah. like Crowder as a sleeper as well. But Crowder doesn't have the upside of Tony Pollard. Again, it it it's Zeke dependent. Sure. But there is a scenario here where Tony Pollard's a top ten fantasy running back. 
There's absolutely a scenario this year for that. There is no scenario in which Jamison Crowder is a I top ten fantasy wide receiver. Well, how about this? Here, here's okay. the thing. I was the I was didn't even ask the question yet, but this is where it goes into it. So there's two questions, but one is from Tyler: Is Pollard going to be this year's James Conner? And then the other one was from Malik saying: Should I keep Kalen Balaj or go grab Pollard? Oh boy, Matthew! Oh, 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 they just I know why they asked that because they, the they just wanted to see what you would do. Balage, Barrage, Beanmail, Kenyon Drake. Here's what in a I would say. Boot. Here's what I would say to this. Throw that out there. What I said, Kenyon Drake was in a walking boot. Kalen Balage. Believe me, <laughs> um, you don't have to tell me. I have been in a Balage atois for much of the season. Uh, I would say in that particular case. It depends also on roster construction, right? No, it, there's no, I have Kalen Balaj ranked higher. So, you know, just in a vacuum, I would say Kalen Balaj. Okay. Kalen Balaj has a much clearer path to consistent playing time than Tony Pollard, right? Yep. He has a much clearer path. Yep. Right now, he's the starting running back of the Miami Dolphins, and we don't know how long Kenyon Drake's going to be out, Stefania, but this ain't a great sign. Uh, you know, they're and hopeful for week one. They're yeah. hopeful for they're week hopeful. one, yep. but hopeful doesn't mean guaranteed. And by the way, even if Kenyon Drake is 100% healthy, all indications out of Miami is that this is going to be a time split, that it's going to be a 50-50 time split. So Kalen Balaj has a much more clear path to consistent fantasy relevancy and playing time than Tony Pollard does. Having said that, you'd rather have the starting running back of the Dallas Cowboys than the starting running back of the Miami Dolphins this year. And so there's a higher upside with Tony Pollard than Kalen Balaj. So it sort of depends on what you need this, you know, if if it's your fifth or sixth running back and it's just a YOLO upside pick, I'd say Tony Pollard. But if you need to use this guy during some bye weeks and something like that, give me Kalen Balaj and I just say in a vacuum, I have Balaj ranked higher than Tony Pollard. All and, right, let's bring and this year's James Conner? He could be. It does seem like, it does yeah, seem I just, like. I really think that that deal is going to get resolved. I'd be careful about getting too hopeful that Tony Pollard's all of a sudden going to. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I was just about to say to Stefania's point, I agree with that. I would say Austin Eckler, I think, has a better chance of being this year's James Conner than, uh, or Justin Jackson, one of those two guys, rather than, uh, Tony Pollard. But it's within the realm of possibility. And by the way, again, if Zeke were to get hurt, we, like I said, right. I'm, I'm on board with Tony Pollard being the handcuff you want to Ezekiel Elliott. One more, Keith. What do you got for us? Yeah, last one is just for Matthew. He wants, uh, Dylan wants to know if you're selling draft boards again. Ha. Huh. I've gotten this a lot, which I appreciate. Everyone loved the draft boards from last year. Unfortunately, we are not doing draft boards this year. Um, the, uh, it's a long, boring story, but basically the business, the, the company that you built a lot the, of those. Yeah, I do. That's sort of on brand. Uh, the, the company that built the draft boards, um, decided to get out of that business. And by the time they sort of told us that it was too late in the season to get another vendor. So, so we're hopeful to have them next year, but I will say, if you go to fantasylife.com, we have all sorts of other draft related gear that you can get, including we got trophies and t-shirts and tumblers and hats and everything to sort of, uh, set. There's cornhole board games. I mean, you name it. Pretty good I right mean, there. Who needs a draft board when you got a cornhole board? Game? I'm just saying co- uh, promo code MB10 gets you 10% off fantasylife.com of anything in the store. So go check that out. Thank you, Dylan, for a question that was not planted. FYI, that was a legit mm-hmm. question, right? Not cool, Keith. As a hundred percent legit, didn't make Dylan up. Hundred percent legit. Percent legit. We are 100%. back tomorrow previewing the Titans and the Colts, and then we head to the Big Apple, New York City, for our live show. Of course, talking about a lot of things there. Looking forward to seeing you all there at the Hard Rock. Uh, is that right? Where are we going? Hard Rock, Hard Rock Cafe yes. in Times Square. Looking forward to see you there. In the meantime, we'll talk to you guys soon, including on Facebook. Peace out. 
on SportsCenter for 45 seconds. I think you could do better than me because I don't think you could. Jail bait, field you you're, you're, you're terrible at hashtag improv. At, 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 at field yates. At field yates. Still find your bell. Oh, don't let Barry convert you. Secret squirrel, Daniel Dunn. Make, 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 make it happen. Mediocre fantasy advice. You're older than people realize. That never stops. Loyal 06010. Your home is important. That's why Geico helps make it easy to save on homeowners insurance. Because home is more than just a place. Home is where you build a giant pillow fort in your living room. And when people ask why you have a pillow fort in your living room, you say it's for your dog. And when they ask, well, what kind? You say, the chocolate lab. And we have a web of lies that's almost as intricate as the crown molding in Fort Pillow. The GEICO Insurance Agency could help protect the pillow soft fortress you call home. Call GEICO and see how easy it is to switch and save on homeowners insurance.